You're listening to the Faith Unpacked Podcast. Welcome back to the Faith Unpacked Podcast with Jason and Jamie. This is episode 188, and today Jason and I are going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit, which um, we get from texts like Galatians chapter 5, and I'll just read a part of this to kind of set the stage here. Uh, Galatians 5, beginning in verse 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which is immorality, impurity, sensuality, uh, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, uh, dissentiousness, uh, factions, uh, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and all things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another to uh, challenging one another or envying one another. Uh, Sorry for stumbling my way through that. That's from the New American Standard. I forgot I had that version up, uh, which is not my normal reading one. So uh, that's a little bit different wording there, but same same text. Um, And this is, Jason, where uh, largely the the biggest explanation of the fruit of the spirit in scripture all in one place that is while the concept is certainly talked about in other texts and it is really important because we as believers in the Lord Jesus obviously want to be walking as uh Christ would have us walk and that's very different than how our natural flesh walks and those desires. And and I think it's important, Jason, before even diving into this, is really to recognize what it says at the very beginning of this chapter. Um, You know, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Like, so we, we start out with this recognition that, hey, things have been different. Now that we are in Christ Jesus, we have a completely new reality, and certainly this isn't you know new uh, to Scripture at all, because you also have texts like Romans chapter six, which really talks a lot about this this difference that that's taking place. Right? What shall we say then? Are we to continue on in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? 
And, you know, he goes on, Paul goes on in, in that text to talk about this dichotomy, right? When we accepted Christ, we literally died to the old self, the old way, the, the way of the flesh, the way of sin and death. And we were buried with Christ and we were raised uh, with him new, right? A new life, a new reality. And so the, the goal, it should be, our desire should be to be seeking out the fruit of the Spirit, to be walking with Christ. And so, Jason, just as we begin this conversation, uh, what else would you say is fundamental to that groundwork? If we want to be living by the fruit, fruit of the Spirit, um, what, what needs to be going on in us? Yeah, it's a great question to ask. Obviously, the, the very, very bottom basis foundation for understanding, can I walk by the Spirit, is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting how often these two are connected in the Bible. Um, in Romans 8, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And so, you know, right away we see those who are alive to God, those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith in him, faith in his name, have been born again, born, literally born from above or born of the spirit. And so that that's the basis for really everything in the Christian life, understanding that we are heirs with Christ. What Christ inherits, we inherit because we are united to him by faith. And so because Christ is righteous, his righteousness is credited to us. We've talked about justification recently. But it also means that just as Jesus had the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, we can look at that and say, wow, we too are led by that same spirit and the same spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Like, think about how much power is involved in a miraculous resurrection. How much power does it take to take a, to go from having a, a dead body in a tomb, lifeless, totally lifeless, to suddenly coming alive, moving around, and now glorified? That is, according to Romans 8, that is the power that's existing in every believer. And it's something we don't want to take for granted because, Jamie, I know a lot of us, we, we probably hear about this from, especially if we've grown up in the church, we've heard, okay, the Holy Spirit is in you. He's the one who empowers you. He's the one who gives life to all your, all your fruit that you're going to bear for God. But if we don't understand that this is a, power, a powerful spirit within us, um, we will, in a, in a way, we will second guess that God is really able to transform us or will we'll, we'll undercut the, the power of God that he really can transform our lives. And, and most people, when you tell them, okay, once you come to Christ, you have the spirit of God in you, they might be like, really? It doesn't feel like I have that kind of power living within me. Um, but it's right there in the text of scripture. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So one day when we are dead in the ground, if Christ tarries in his return, then that means that it will be the Holy Spirit's power that raises us to life and gives us new resurrection bodies. So I think just starting there and recognizing we have God's power at work in our lives is fundamental. And, and recognizing that we are now sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So we've been adopted into his family. That gives us an identity like nothing else can. We are sealed by the Spirit, the Bible says. Um, so now when it comes to bearing the fruit of the Spirit, it's all rooted in that identity of who we are in Christ as a co-heir with Christ, as a child of God, and one who will one day be glorified with Christ. That just changes the whole focus of what our lives are to be about when we understand that. And I think with that too, Jason, just recognizing the shift in power itself as well, right? Where like Ephesians 2, before Christ, we're dead in sin. So, you know, what can you do when you're dead in it? You're stuck. I mean, there's no life, right? You're dead in it. You're dead in it. What can you do? And then in Christ, though, that's a whole new reality. And there is a degree to even recognizing like, oh, when I'm very tempted with sin or very tempted with these, you know, these deeds of the flesh, as the, as the text points out, you know, all these different uh, desires um, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, strife, you know, all outbursts of anger, on and on it goes. It's appropriate to stop and be like, wait a minute, I've been freed from this flesh, right? I've been freed from, and these things don't have the power over me that they used to. And even when that like fear wells up of like, oh man, this, you know, I can't get away from the sin. It's like, wait, hold on. I actually am already free of the sin. Like Christ already did that. The Holy Spirit has already brought in that new reality. And so even just, I think, mentally setting our mind straight to be in line with uh, the, the truth of what God says is, is probably a big part of that battle as well. So recognize the power of the Holy Spirit and then also recognize the lack of power that, you know, sin then has on us in terms of that. And then, of course, most importantly, recognizing it's not our flesh, right? The, the goal of walking by the fruit of the Spirit, which it's a singular fruit, right? All of this fruit is one thing together, multiple things, but only one, you know, it doesn't say the fruits of the spirit. It's the fruit. It's one. It all comes together. If I'm walking with Christ, then I am able to receive this fruit. Uh, and if I'm not, then I'm not, right? And that's even John 15, um, 5 makes that point very clear, right? Where Jesus is talking about how he's the vine and we're the branches. And if we abide in him, we'll be able to be very fruity. Uh, we will bear much fruit, but apart from him, we can do nothing. Uh, and I, I, you know, I love that text because uh, 
Um, it reminds me of uh, one of the pastors at my church, Pastor Ron, throwing grapes around the sanctuary while preaching this text, uh, which is just a fun memory. But uh, but such a great reminder that yeah, we cannot we cannot generate this fruit by our human effort. We can't generate it by um, by trying to be good or godly. We can't even generate it by just reading the Bible as an intellectual exercise. That's right. Well, and one of the cool things I remember, I, I heard the, the conversion story of a guy um, who, he was a young man who grew up in the church um, and he was probably taught the gospel on some level growing up, although it may not have been uh, the most biblically sound church. But in any case, he he stopped. He, he wasn't walking with the Lord. He was um, stopped going to church. He stopped doing any of the things that you'd expect a Christian to be a part of. Started um, living a life where he basically pursued all his self-centered desires. He lived in sin. And then he ended up coming back to a Baptist church and he heard a message on this exact passage of Galatians 5. And as the pastor was reading all these, all these, uh, all these acts of the flesh, where it says the acts of the flesh are evident, or the acts of the flesh are obvious. And he starts reading and he goes through it. He says, wait, sexual morality. Oh, yeah, I'm doing that. Impurity. Yep. Debauchery. Yep. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Well, maybe not witchcraft, but hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And as he was, as the pastor was just going through that list, it's like the Spirit of God poked him and said, hey, that's you. That's you right now. You are in the flesh. And that got his attention because he realized, look, what the pastor is saying is that a true believer in Jesus Christ, somebody who actually is united to Christ by faith, is going to have the Holy Spirit working in him. And by no means going to be perfect, but at least is going to live a markedly different life because of that faith in Christ. And when he got to the fruit of the Spirit, it was like love, joy, peace, all these things that he wanted, but he didn't have. And God actually used this exact passage to get his attention and show his need for Christ. And um, so I, I think that's just a great reminder that when we typically think of someone who's far from God, we might think of, of, of people who, you know, who maybe intellectually they seem to have it all together or, or they just don't seem to have any issues in life. When you get down to it, there's a good bet they are lacking joy in their life. They're lacking peace. They're lacking patience, love, all these things that only the fruit, only the spirit can give. And, and what it does is that that testifies to the fact that only Jesus can bring us that peace with God we truly need. And, and when we're not finding peace in Christ, we will look for it in other things. And, you know, honestly, if you look at the list of the, the acts of the flesh, it's like, okay, sexual morality, who among us has not thought of like sex as people have pursued sex to get peace in their life? They, they thought this is going to satisfy me. This is going to make me whole. Or what about uh, ambition? Oh, if I just had this career, wow, 
my life will be complete. Or honestly, people turning to substances, drunkenness is listed in there. And, and it's also common that when you are seeking things like peace and joy outside of Christ, those exact things, the acts of the flesh are going to show up in your life because that's not how we were made to find peace. We can only find peace with God. And you notice too, like all of those items, these uh, deeds of the flesh, um, they don't build anything up. They don't encourage, they don't help. They don't, you know, you, you, like you look at them and it's like nothing good, right? Jealousy, strife, outburst of anger. Like what about that is good relationally for, you know, in the context of say your marriage or with your kids or in community or at work or, you know, does that do any good? No, it actually destroys, it tears down and it actually takes life instead of giving life. And then same is true with, you know, these other things, sexual immorality. Well, if I'm just using sex or sexuality as a means uh, to do what you're talking about, Jason, then I'm actually just using people to try and fill what's, you know, what's lacking in me. And so actually I'm, I'm devaluing other people in the pursuit of, you know, trying to fill a hole in me. And so, again, that's just taking, you know, so you look at all these and it's like none of them are life-giving, none of them are encouraging, none of them build up, none of them draw me closer to anything good, right? There's just, it's so void, it's so empty, it's, it's really just sad, right? Like there's nothing, there's nothing in here that you would be happy to write home to mom about, right? <laughs> not, uh, just none of it. It's not good at all. Versus this fruit of the spirit, which is marked markedly different, right? The fruit of the spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like that list is remarkably better. And inherently, I think... We read through both lists, like you're talking about that guy did, going, wow, I mean, this is me, but this is what I would rather be, right? I, I want, I desire this other list, and and I want, you know, I want to see that evident in me um, that because it's just such a incredibly profound distinction you know the the contrast there is powerful and i could i could think of it so a christian might be listening to this and thinking yeah i mean i know christ i have a relationship with him but i'm not seeing all of the fruit of the spirit in my life right now like i am anxious a lot so i don't have the peace i'd like uh i struggle with patience i snap at my spouse sometimes i snap at my kids my coworkers sometimes or I don't have joy. I just wish I had more joy in life. I don't, I don't feel happy. And you might be thinking, this doesn't seem to be true for me. And even though I, I'm told I have the spirit, but I'm not experiencing this, at least not in the level that I would like to. Well, I think a couple of things. Number one, it's so important that Christians are connected to the body. And 
if you're not used to that language, all I'm saying right there is be in church, <laughs> be with the church, be with those who know Christ, because uh, the company we keep does affect how we experience life so much. And the spirit of God can work through other believers to help you in these areas um, in a way that non-Christians can't. So it's so important that you be a part of a fellowship of believers. And, and maybe that is the case for you, but not to forsake that gathering. Um, the other thing I would say is you look at what scripture actually points to as an indication of uh, experiencing fullness in the spirit. Now, some people would say, oh, well, you know, you're experiencing the spirit if you, you speak in tongues or if you're having these prophetic utterances or, or, or something along those lines. I'm going to say that is definitely not what the scripture points to as the, the, the foremost reason to think that you are being filled with the spirit. Certainly that has a place in scripture where that's talked about, but that's not like that's, that's not the most foundational where this is where you're going to see fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is, is these character traits, these, these character traits that are embodied in the life of Christ first and foremost, and experienced by believers as well. Um, and, and so just think about the fact that the Bible doesn't talk about Jesus speaking in tongues. Did he not experience the fullness of the spirit? I hope we don't say that, but we do see the fruit of the spirit in his life for sure. And, and so when you think about it, this is basically, it means we are wanting to become more like Christ. When we want to exhibit the fruit of the spirit, we're wanting to look like him more. And I love the connection, Jamie, that Colossians 3 makes with Ephesians 5 in this area, because it's talking about the same thing, but it words it differently. So like Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So that's Colossians 3.16. Now here's Ephesians 5. And see if you pick up on the similarities here. And do not get drunk with, this is Ephesians 5.18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, in, to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So if you put those passages side by side, Jamie, you see that be filled with the spirit is at the beginning of that list in Ephesians five and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly is at the beginning in Colossians three, but the fruit of both is the exact same. You're going to be addressing one another in spiritual songs and hymns. You're going to be singing to the Lord, worshiping him from your heart. You're going to be giving thanks to him and you're going to be submitting first to Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. <clears throat> so all that to say, when you have God's word just soaking in your heart, like let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What does that mean? It can't mean that I do my quick Bible devotional, skim through it and check that box. Now I'm good. No, it means, are you letting that word dwell in you richly? Are you letting it marinate? Are you letting your soul be marinated in the word of God. That's really what it's talking about. And it, and it will change you as you turn over the truths of scripture in your heart and in your mind, it will change the way you live. And 
as you submit to it, not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer, as you submit to Christ, you are being filled with the Spirit. Submission to Christ looks like being filled with the Spirit, or, or being filled with the Spirit looks like being submitted to Christ. And as you do that, you will see the fruit of the Spirit showing up in your life. Um, that's how Scripture lays it out for us. Well, and you see the proof of that, Jason, in the result, right? When I when I don't spend time with the Lord in the Word, when I don't spend time in prayer, when I don't spend time communing with the, the Holy Spirit, right? When my focus is not on the glory of God uh, and seeing Him and engaging with Him and having a relationship with Him, what happens? Well, it like inherently, I become exactly opposite the, those fruits you know, that fruit of the spirit and end up back sowing deeds of the flesh, right? Like you notice right away, I'm more irritated with people, right? I'm more impatient. I have worse self-control. I have, you know, all across the board. So it's like, yeah, when I'm not fixated there, and, and I think fixated is a good word in this particular context when we're talking about the Lord, right? I mean, think of uh, even Hebrews 12, right? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? So it's like lock on, uh, be so steadfastly focused on the Lord only. And and you see this, you know, I think you, you see this probably most profoundly in scripture with David in the Psalms, where he's like constantly asking the question, how can I get as close to the Lord as possible, right? Uh uh, the the most powerful statement being in Psalm 27, where he says, you know, one thing I've asked of the Lord that I can dwell in the the uh, house of God and gaze on his beauty all the days of my life, right? Like I'm literally given the opportunity to ask the Lord for anything. And he's like, all I want to do is I want to see you. I want to be close to you, right? Like uh, and you see that obsession all all throughout the psalm. Psalm 15 is another example of that, uh, where he asks, you know, who can dwell in the tabernacle of the Lord and who can live on his holy mountain, right? And then he goes on to answer that question. But the the obsession is, what do I have to do to be as close to God as possible? Like, how can I be in his presence? How can I commune in a real way? And that's that's the key to all of it, Jason, right? Like if I'm like, okay, I'm definitely going to have the fruit of the Spirit today. I'm going to have love for people. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have all these things. I'm going to force this to happen. What happens? None of it, right? Like it, it won't happen. It will not happen one bit versus when I'm just seeking the Lord I find I have love for people. I find I do have joy, right? I find um, that there is peace uh, and it's a weird peace, right? It's the, this world is crazy and everything's going horrible. And yet I have incredible peace because I know that Christ is the reigning ruling King and he wins in the end. And, and so we have this paniclessness that the world is so obsessed with because of that. And where in there was I trying to have the fruit of the spirit? I wasn't. I was just focusing on the Lord 
And the result was, hey, the fruit of the Spirit just starts coming out of me. Yeah, so maybe just to wrap it up, I think it's it's important to see the things that we've highlighted here, that this isn't something we manufacture in our in our own power. This is not something like where you go home and, okay, I'm going to work harder at being a good Christian. Then I will show the fruit of the Spirit. This is about communing with the Lord. It's about submitting to Him through His Word primarily because that's where we see what He taught us and where we can learn from Him directly. And it's about um, yielding to Him, yielding to the Spirit's work in our lives, expecting Him to change us. Because again, if we don't have that expectation of power, the Holy Spirit's power living within us, we are going to undersell <laughs> or undercut uh, what God is doing in our life. We won't, we won't expect big changes, and so we won't see big changes. But if we expect God to use us and to transform us, then we can yield to him more readily. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Faith Unpacked podcast. We're so thankful for your time. We hope and pray that these encourage your faith and walk with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to hear past episodes, you can find them on our website at faithunpacked.com. We'd also invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcasting site. If you have any questions, feel free to hit us up on social media, or you can send us an email at faithunpacked at gmail.com. And we invite you back next time as we continue to unpack our faith together.